are listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. and welcome to For the Lore. We're coming to you on Monday, February 5th. And February is my favorite month. Do you know why, boys? Why? Because we get to make fun of... Well, not only because I was created, but we also get to make fun of Roger for getting older as well. And that Uh, is very important. Okay, here's actually an important thing. Marty, when's your birthday? July 14th. Ah, you're off the podcast. February (laughs) only. February only? Six months or so. Well, no, wait. We had it by in school. We celebrated my birthday on February 14th. It was some sort of weird Catholic half birthday thing. <laughs> what? I, I am very confused by this because it's six months is uh, makes it January 14th. That's yeah. One I was just going to say that like that, 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 that doesn't even line up. But yeah, so you're off the podcast because all three of us, the the three remaining or, or original crew, were, were February boys. So sorry, Marty. And if I remember correctly, isn't Dan, Roger's wife's wife. birthday in May? Yes. So all three of the significant others. Yep. Are in the same all month three of the significant well. others are in the same month as well. Like we were doomed from the start. Like this is, <laughs> this is just naturally how it occurs. But we're not here to just talk about birthdays. Get we it are together, to Marty. About, we are here to talk about some games and. Get everything together. And I think we're going to start with Marty, because while I have officially uninstalled this game, Marty is still very interested in it. So, Marty, why don't you lay us some sweet Destiny 2 news? Hopefully nothing that is we fucked up again. So, yeah, so far, uh, the next big patch is going to contain a whole bunch of uh, gameplay improvements. And we just saw the release of the uh, second season with... uh, excuse me, the second season and the second edition of Iron Banner. Sorry, I'm having a hard time remembering what I was doing uh, because I was reading the comic and I wanted to start with that, but I think it's better to start with the gameplay because that's more people are going to be interested in that. Uh, The addition of Masterwork Armor, where you can get a 15% armor bonus for your, while you're in your super, so you're harder to kill. That will be a lot of fun, especially for those of us who are I have the roaming supers like Arkstrader. Uh, no big fuckery. Uh, they did uh, explain away uh, one of the reasons why the XP gain did not take from the last patch being some sort of server flag that wasn't hit. Um, and also uh, just a development timeline uh, to see what we're going to do. The next big patch is going to be in March, but the uh, I believe May is when... May is when the next uh, expansion is dropping. Um, let me double check that because I'm mixing my times. I, I believe uh, May was correct. I believe that, that May twenty second is what yeah. I thought, but like, I, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff coming out in March and in May. So, so we're going to get at least a couple more Iron Banners. We're going to see the next big patch will be a PvP change, uh, wherein supers will increase faster, more power ammo and an increase to movement speeds across the board in terms of both the rate of acceleration as well as the cap. So in regards to 
like I have not had a boring time in the Crucible, but at the same time, uh, the Crucible is not geared toward it's supposed to be. Like the quote unquote prestige level of the Crucible, uh, the competitive play is dead still from my understanding uh, while quick play is a blast and people are loving it. And the a variety of uh, events, be it trials or iron banner or the upcoming two V two PVP, which is amazingly fun. Uh, that is going to be the same, but in next month we're going to see some massive quality of life improvement in terms of crucible because other guns, other than Uriel's gift and maters makers, Mark, excuse me, martyrs make, will be uh, nerfed. So, which is going to be fun because like you can use a hand cannon uh, unless you're like, you know, totally against hand cannons. Personally, I can't stand pulse rifles, but what do I know? See, like what's interesting to me is like, it almost seems like while there's still content there or at least some content coming out, uh, it's almost like it's falling into the same exact trap that Destiny 1 fell into. Like... I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's the same thing where it's like they find themselves tuning down guns because they overtune them on the first release and, and crucibles to try to make them worthwhile and, you know, like let players do something other than everybody has the same goddamn weapon. But yet we found ourselves in that same spot twice now. I mean, and now we're starting to hit those. I have nothing else to call them, but like MMO content lulls. Like, even with the expansion coming up, is. Is there really anything that's really that big of a draw? So for me, um, I play a couple times a week and with friends. Uh, so for me, it is still a huge draw. It's not the same draw like in WoW during my heyday playing WoW. Uh, the community for me is, you know, for Destiny 2, well, pretty okay. Uh, it pales in comparison to the, you know, Feathermoon community that I still like talk to literally every day and hang out with and miss all the time. Uh, that's what pulls me in. And because I've been, you know, slowly playing a lot of the missions and I haven't ground out all the Osiris style weapons yet, that's also still fun for me. But I totally get it. It's a content lull. It's what we've experienced. I've experienced, you know, since vanilla. Wow. I figure people are going to play for a while buy some stuff when the content patch drops, we will see an uptick in gaming. Um, not necessarily like what I worry about is that it's going to uh, get to a certain point and then break and plateau. And each time that plateau will be a little bit less than previous until it doesn't, you know, the game will be dead at that point. See, then the again, me is they've shown with um, Taken King and Rise of Iron that they can make repetitive content that's still engaging and fun to play. But they took that step back here with the season one of Destiny 2 of like, yeah, the content's there, but it's not engaging much like it was in vanilla Destiny 1. Like there was stuff to do, but I just didn't want to do it. Whereas like when Taken King came out and like, yeah, at the end of the day, it was still basically a grind, but it, it had it had a hook to it. Like there, there was like, it didn't just feel like repetitive content, which is where we're back to now. I totally get that because I was thinking the same thing, you know, like why were running strikes in Taken King so much more fun, even than in rise of iron taken King strikes were more, way more fun. And 
as much fun as I'm having encourage strikes, I think part of it is I feel like we get the same maps, the same strikes, and not a variety of them. Like I literally over the past two weeks, I've played maybe a handful of hours, but the same strikes each and every time. Uh, and that is incredibly frustrating uh, because I like what I do find is that there's been a significant amount of dialogue change, especially in the Curse of Osiris stuff that, you know, new new throwaway lines here and there, which is always fun. But it's missing that hook. And I'm trying to figure out, is that just uh, me being upset about the microtransaction stuff? Is this just not as good? Is the gameplay not as engaging? Is the Infinite Forest more of a letdown than I want to admit? And I think the answer to all of them is, eh, yeah, pretty much. Um, what I'm enjoying with of it is like, you know what? I switched to some Crucible play. I had some pretty fucking great games because I think no one else but us scrubs are playing. So I'm <laughs> king of the scrubs. Uh, and I'm, you know, not awful. I'm not twitchy good anymore, but I'm not awful. It's been fun. Um, but I really want to talk about the comic. Have you guys read the the Fall of Osiris comic? I have not. Nope. Okay. So first of all, for those who don't know and... Uh, you know, I run a podcast called Vault Comics Considered. I'm very big on comic books. This is a digital comic on the Bungie homepage. I will, it's in the show notes and um, <clears throat> and I highly recommend people pick it up. But it's written by one of the story leads, Christine Thompson. It's also written by Ryan North, who has also written Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and has got a couple of other self-worked on projects. But the big one is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which keeps winning awards. And the story slash narrative director of all Destiny 2 projects is Margaret Stoll, who is a young adult author and current uh, lead on Captain Marvel. So the book, oh, and the letter is Clayton Cowles. So these are like serious cred authors from Comic Dumb. I mean, it's not the same thing as getting like a Kurt Busiek or even a Bendis or whatever, but they're not going to write this type of book. This is beyond. Typically, them. when we see these tie in comics, it's nobody's so yeah <laughs> right and and margaret stoll uh she's got some you know she's done some interesting stuff with captain marvel which i will not bore anybody with but this is uh changing the lore or retconning the lore or in some regards explaining why osiris was exiled from the tower and the rise of the followers of osiris and the heretical teachings that osiris had that no one would listen to him they just took what he was saying and ran with it like i bet i think the best way to describe it is people like the like brother vance took a cliff notes version of what osiris was teaching and then just wrote five hundred thousand words of fanfic about it to spread the hype that is osiris um it is interesting because it shows us what the city was like a couple of decades beforehand and we get to see the speaker being a bit of a dick uh whether he's right or not he comes across as totally a dick and you, i don't know if it's the same speaker um it's the same mask as we saw that uh gary of uh, the guy who, who gary kills but i'm not sure it's the same guy it's it's a fun look at both destiny its story it's explaining the lore i'm not going to say it's a retcon because everything that we have gotten about who osiris is is at its heart supposed to be contradictory 
because he's labeled as a heretic and worshipped at the same time. So, of course, there's going to be an inherent contradiction in his story. Uh, but it is rather well drawn, great pacing, and Sagira gets some of the best lines, and they read like Ryan North writing, which is also fun. So if you're not playing the game, at least check out the comic. It's still pretty fun. Well, maybe I'll give it a read. But one thing I, I've been more interested in, I think, than Destiny has been definitely the independent scene lately. I don't know about you guys, but like I'm noticing indie games are, are sort of taking up most of my library. And Sorry, Joe, but Monster Hunter isn't an indie game. I don't have it. I refuse to buy it for a console. <laughs> Just as an interesting side note before we move on, though, I subscribe to two of the larger uh, YouTube uh, content mm -hmm. creators in the Destiny community. And over the past week, they've just been putting out Monster Hunter videos. Yeah. Well, yep. I, same same trend. I've noticed that as well as mine. But I don't want to talk about Monster Hunter. Not yet. We'll get there at some point. Don't worry. But Vince, you found this interesting little thing from a former Diablo crew. Yeah. A couple months ago, uh, we were talking about that interview that David Brevik, one of the lead designers of the original Diablo, was talking about, you know, the history of the franchise and, you know, and that and we didn't get to it, but he was talking about at the end, he was working on a new game. Well, this week, we finally got the reveal of that game from a studio named Greybeard Games, a studio that consists of David Brevik and David Brevik. He made this entire game from the ground up himself. All of the programming, all of the design, all of the art and music and sound effects, all done by one man. And this is this is pretty damn cool for me. Uh, it, at first look, it's very Terraria, which I'm okay with that. I put a lot of hours into Terraria. But whereas that was a, a very open world, focused greatly on the building aspects, this is more of a dungeon crawler survival game. And I, I watched a good portion of his live streams that he's been doing on Twitch, like revealing the game. I mean, there's at this point, I think eight hours of content. So I haven't come close to watching even half of it, but I'm very impressed with what we're seeing here. Uh, it's, he says it's in beta phase. Now uh, it's in a closed beta. The few people he selected, it's nearly feature complete. And when you're looking at the game in motion, like it's solid, of course there's bugs here and there, but a core gameplay is there. And at this point, it's just a matter of adding in, you know, extra content, you know, extra dungeon layers, extra buildings you can put in your town, stuff like that. But this game's going to be out pretty soon. And I'm really looking forward to it because I, I adore Terraria. And taking that core, like, 2D Minecraft concept and pushing it in a more Diablo-esque direction is going to be a lot of fun because the, the core gameplay here is... It lurks below. You have to literally dig through this, you know, the 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 layers of this world to get at whatever evil is in there. He says the game is going to have a story. At this point, it doesn't, but it's going to be a very light story, much like the original Diablo of, hey, some shit's going down in the cathedral. Please take care of it for us. <laughs> and, you know, the lore kind of expanded from there. So this is a similar starting point. Uh, See, as oh, Go ahead. I was going to say, and... It, what I'm hearing from this is everything that I love because I like I loved like you Terraria. I really liked Starbound. I never um, got a chance to play Starbound, but I always wanted to. It's it's that same vein, that same good thing. 
as far as like building and exploration and that part's great but i never got enough dungeon anything out mm-hmm. of it because like yeah you'd find some random things and occasionally you'd find some quests and in like there was a loose story in starbound um but like at the end of the day you were essentially it was just my it really wound up boiling down to minecraft in space and that's not necessarily a bad thing but the idea of having like one a story even if it's a light story but two having a a, like a dedicated dungeon dive essentially is really really cool to me like uh, i was watching somebody play and i looked at uh basically there was just like this pit filled with like zombies and skeletons because why the hell not and he's just mining next to it because, like, well, they can't get to me, so okay, I'm just going to be over here. <laughs> I'm keeping an like, eye on it. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on it. There's a spider going around. It's stuck in place on this little thing above the pit, so I'm not going to go mess with that, so I'm, I'm good over here. But it's it's just cool because there's plenty of combat, and I like that. I like that idea. It's Can we talk for that... a second about that combat? <laughs> because sure. your, main, your main weapon in this game, it's called a magic wand. I don't know about you, but that looks an awful lot like a laser rifle to me. <laughs> little, little yeah. bit. It looks like a big old laser gun. <laughs> but I love that. Like, there's even like character classes. Uh, they showed off uh, cleric, rogue, wizard, and bard. I think are the ones that are currently in the in this version of the game. Mm-hmm. Please note, no warrior class because this isn't that type of game. It's it's a ranged game with a lot of abilities that you can use. Uh, like the the wizard showed off like it has a shield and. Like watching Brevik himself play the game, like his hot bar was just full of skills. I was like, that looks a lot like Diablo to me. Once you you're just looking at the hot bar of okay, using my teleport, using my shield, using you know this buff spell, and it it has that skill heavy uh, gameplay, but customizable skill heavy gameplay of being able to mix and match abilities with your laser rifle <laughs> and that strong progression of you always have a quest telling you where to go, what to do next, unlike those other free roam games. So you're always going to have a goal other than, uh, I don't know, I guess we'll just go see what's under this hill, which can be fun, of course, but I I like having something I can set my mind on other than I just want to get 14 gold ore this session. (laughs) But it looks very engaging, and I'm really interested to to get my hands on it. Yeah, and... and I'm not just because I'm a, a, a Brevik fanboy or anything like that, but like it just it looks very much like a game in my sort of my vein. Like it, like you said, like the, having that sort of that cookie, that little breadcrumb trail to follow, that's huge for me because I like when you give me a quest and you give me an ob- an objective to go complete. But you don't give me parameters on how to complete it. Like give me a puzzle, let me figure it out, but. Th- give me something, give me a purpose. And I'm happy at that point. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't achieve that purpose on the way, you're finding treasure chests full of random loot. And it's, you know, there's going to be fucking mimics, you know, there's going to be this game. It's, 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 it's something that like, I've really gained an appreciation for in, in recent years of that satisfying gameplay loop. And just, just to throw destiny back in there, at points in its time, it had a satisfying gameplay loop, and I think they've broken that loop at this point. Whereas, uh, you know, a game like this looks to be getting a lot of that right because, well, it's one of the most legendary game designers in history. I think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and what's really interesting, too, like just him aside, like the game aside, but looking at David Brevik, if you go to Greybeard Games, 
one of the things on the website is yes here's a little banner that says you know this is the next game okay yeah this is what i used to do by the way here's the original design documents for diablo <laughs> all of them free on the internet you can just read through them but it's like it for a game that old and you read through it and you you understand the concepts and the, the the things that they were working with and then you go back and you watch the gameplay for it lurks below you can see those principles still applied mm -hmm. and let's all be honest here we've talked about this ad nauseum for for years i have broken mice and burned cbs like and i don't mean like copy it, i mean burned through the actual physical form of the cd with my drives Diablo and Diablo 2. I went through at least three Diablo 2 CD-ROMs. Yeah. And it, it, because, again, the, the gameplay loop, yes, it was repetitive. Yes, it was the same thing over and over and over again. But it was so satisfying. And, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the idea of him producing something else with that same concept. Those are the games I like. Those are what I've been... That's what I like to spend my, my time with and my, my energy on. So I'm... I'm super on board with this. And then just as a, a last little bit, uh, have you seen the actual Steam page for the game? Yes. Have you seen the release date? No, I did not. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> the only <Idiot>. way... <laughs> yes, yeah, I, the only thing it's missing is the TM. Well, uh, unfortunately, I don't think he has the rights to the TM. <laughs> <laughs> but any other game will put, you know... Q4 2018, you know, what have you? Nope. Troll to the end. It, it, but it's not a troll, though. That's the thing. I know. <laughs> it's it's such it's the Blizzard nod, the Blizzard in the days of when they used to be good. Like, yep. <laughs> like Blizzard soon was when it was done and ready to go. That's when it was happening. Not before then. No promises. That's just, it just you, you dealt with it. And it would come out on every operating system, not just on Windows, which, well, rephrase it. Also on the Mac, not on every operating system. Saying. Although, again, there is a person developing this game. He said he would like to have it on other platforms at some point. Just only so oh. many hours in a day. <laughs> Just one dude doing the programming. I'm, uh, there should be, I'm not going to push and pull like you should do it. Blizzard? Uh-uh. No. Speaking Just of Blizzard... <laughs> <laughs> So, not to be uh, the super fanboy as some people think I am, Roger, um, but I have actually been enjoying my time in the game again and for a couple different reasons. First of all is they finally released Ally Races. This is a feature that we were originally supposed to get with the next expansion, but they decided to move it up for the races that had already been introduced in the game for now. Um, you still have to pre-order the game in order to get access to them, but you get access to the Lightforge and I, which were a huge part in the final chapter of the, the Legion story. Um, the Nightborn, which were the big meat of the story from the very beginning. Like these are the, the race of night elves that seal themselves away in this special geometric dome that of magic that, you know, sealed them off from the world for 10,000 years uh, and were tons and tons of story and progress through their city the high mountain torrent which an entire zone is nothing but them and also one of my favorite races introduced in an mmo in a long time and then void elves which was interesting because they didn't get the concept of them didn't get really introduced until the very very end of legion and yet these races have been shotgunned out 
you can, if you have the rep, which most people have just by doing normal everyday questing and doing the storylines and stuff like that, you can go do scenarios, and these scenarios give you access to the allied races. The leader of your faction open up an embassy in your capital city, which is really interesting when you see Sylvanas opening up an embassy in Orgrimmar for these allied races that come and spend time there. It, it It's very well written and very well done as far as like her interactions, but the scenarios are really, really cool. And that's something that I appreciate from a, a story standpoint, like the high mountain tour and you get to understand more about their past. You get to see some of the NPCs that have been missing for a while. It actually took an, a little over an hour and change to get through all of the scenario quest change uh, just to unlock the race and get to the final of the story. Uh, and it all sets up the next, not necessarily just the next expansion, but it sets up motivation. Um, you get to see some interesting tidbits with like characters like Tehran and, and things like that. It's just overall incredibly well done. And we're still going to be getting more allied races on top of this. We, the Zandalari are going to be coming for the horde when battle for Azeroth releases, uh, the Dark Iron Dwarves for the Alliance are going to be coming out. Um, and from what we're seeing, I don't think we're just going to end with those. I think they might actually potentially be ready to introduce new complete races as well. And the reason I say that is because with all the stuff they've been releasing, new character files were also put into the game for Tortolans, which are these lovely turtle people, uh, which is the best way that I can describe them, and Vulpix, which are essentially fox people but they're fully animated fully rigged skeletons like they have animations for literally everything a player can do this might be their new hook where they might start introducing multiple races as time goes on which that also excites me because that keeps things fresh that keeps things interesting and i don't know about you guys but like i like that kind of stuff and i know that I might be in the minority as far as like still enjoying WoW, but it's really, really cool to me, at least that they're they're looking at ways to expand it and actually keep player engagement without just mindless world quests. So when my Mac, old Mac died, so when the, like the last time I was seriously playing WoW, uh, like died mid raid. No, died just at the end of a raid. <laughs> so it was like, gave up the ghost and moved on. So I have not paid much attention. Uh, and I knew something about the allied races, but my number one question, Joe, can I play a high mountain Tauren in the Alliance? Or is that still not going to happen? No, the, they are very specific to each faction. So high mountain is horde only as are the Nightborn. Um, and they, but the, the thing that actually made me happy about it is when you, play the story of the, the allied races they actually make sense even in context of the convoluted lore and story that is blizzard's world of warcraft um like there's definite reasons why they go with their choices and it's it's interesting to see what the motivation is for each one so i mean and besides high mountain we're always probably going to go to the horde simply for if for no other reason torrent right so yeah i mean that makes sense. Torn are my favorite horde race, and I've loved them since uh, since uh, World uh, since uh, Warcraft three when Bane shows up and saves uh, Thrall. Or no, Thrall shows up and saves Bane. Yep, I think it's the way it goes. But yeah, 
Now, that's not the only stuff that they've added here as well. There's also uh, new dynamic leveling. So all of Azeroth has been redone so that it's now 1 to 60 compatible. So you can literally go to any zone and do any quest or any story, which is really, really cool because one of the problems that we had with leveling in the game is it went way too quick. Um, and I don't mean that in like it, it, the leveling gaining was so fast. You would get to the maximum level of a zone so quickly that you wouldn't complete the story. And some of these zones have some really, really cool stories. And you get to go anywhere and do anything. Like you've never completed, you know, Thousand Needles. You can go complete Thousand Needles now. And you get the full story. You can go do Ashenvale. You can go do all of these different zones. And each one has these sort of chunks. And I think that's really, really cool. Um, now, the reason I'm also excited about this is because with your allied races, if you decide to roll a new one, which starts at level 20, um, it, with one of your four brand new character slots, because they gave everybody four new character slots. Ooh. Yep. As well as four extra bags in your starting backpack, which is now a 20 slot bag. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> it only took them a, a long time to do it, but hey, they did it. But it's if you level that character to from 20 to 110, the current max level, you unlock a transmogable outfit of that race's armor. So in a, it's account-wide unlock, too. All of this is account-wide unlock. So it doesn't matter what server you go on. It doesn't matter where you go. You unlock this once. You can roll that alliance character wherever. So it's it's interesting. And I like the armor idea because I love playing, you know, dress up with my little polygonal creature and having something that looks really, really cool and I can just transmog into doesn't really have any other purpose. It's just purely cosmetic. That's a pretty cool incentive as far as I'm concerned. I like cosmetic stuff. So I'll leave it at that, I don't, unless anybody else has anything to, to add to it. Nah, I'm good. I, I do have one other question. Like, sure. why are we going back to, a, like, the traditional orc versus human battle for Azeroth? Like, do you care about spoilers? No, because Briku's story, while not finished, has very little to do with that shit. So it's... My, they haven't really been clear about this, but when you play through the scenarios, it's not going to be a horde versus alliance story for very long. They're they're very clearly gearing up for something that's bigger and overarching yet again. Um, where my initial fears that this was going to be an interstitial um, sort of expansion, where they they sort of have these big sweeping expansions and then little tiny expansion that really doesn't do anything. It's just a filler, then a big sweeping expansion. I, I don't think we're going to have that lull again. I think that they're building up to going back into the old God and void stuff. The void elf quest line hints very, very heavily at that stuff, as does the high mountain Torrin quest line, which I mean, spells out some things about encountering yet another old God and their generals very, very in your face with it. So I think that the Alliance versus Horde thing is going to be a smokescreen. And I think it's going to be a reaction to certain things like I don't think necessarily, and, and a lot of people disagree with me on this one, and I've actually caught a lot of heat with this on the other podcast. Um, I don't think the Horde actually burns Darnassus. I think that the old gods do, and the Alliance just straight up blames the Horde. Because... Sorry, go ahead. That, that totally fits Blizzard's storytelling, and that fits 
well, also everything fits, from Wrath, right? It fits not not only everything from Wrath, but it also fits all the setup from Legion too, because there's a lot of stuff that if you go real tinfoil hatty with it, um, the artifact weapons, uh, a couple encounters, and a whole bunch of stuff whisper things very specifically about Olgadi type things, and one of them is five keys, five you know five doorways essentially. There are five world trees. Darnassus is the last one still standing. Um, all the other ones have been destroyed, broken, or infected by the old gods in, in some manner, right? So if the trees are being used to cap these huge fonts of arcane energy, huge fonts of arcane energy are basically titan facilities. Titan facilities are used to keep old gods locked in place and keep them from corrupting Azeroth. Yeah, destroying the world trees would make perfect sense, and it would be perfect for their game. And then they just feed on chaos, and they, that's what they they want us to fight each other so they can go and do their old gaudy tentacle things. So there's lots of that going around, and it's it seems very clear that it's going to be uh, alliance versus horde at the surface. But then, like even one of the zones, the starting zones for the horde, the Zandalari starting zone in Battle for Azeroth, you're helping the Zandalari trolls because of the blood trolls that are being corrupted by a fucking old god. It says so in the fucking zone description. Like, that's leveling stuff. We're 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 not going to be fighting the factions that long. Yeah, battle for Azeroth is just a smokescreen. I'm, I am i am on Team Joe for this one. Put me on my my spinfoil hat. I'm on Team Joe. Well, here's the thing: it can still be a battle for Azeroth. She, yep, not exactly. exactly. Just not the way. That's not the way everybody thinks it's it's going to be. So I will end my World of Warcraft uh, filleting right now. Um, needless to say I'm happy and I'll see what happens next but another game that apparently has been making a lot of people happy has been Slay the Spire I've been seeing a fuck ton of this lately so every single friend of mine from WoW has been playing Slay the Spire I I was uh, homesick uh, one day the last week I literally spent six hours in bed watching Northern Lion play this game (laughs) so the best way I can describe this game is conceptually, it's a lot like Hand of Fate, that awesome deck building tarot sort of game that uh, I know you and I love, Joe. I, Marty, were you aware of that one? I'm aware of it. It's not my not my jam. Okay. And then I know Hand of Fate 2 came out recently, but I haven't had a chance to check that out. But It's more of the same. I would assume so. But gameplay-wise, it's more Hearthstone meets Darkest Dungeon. Mm-hmm. And damn like this is a game i could lose myself in uh it's still an early access so you there uh the dungeon only goes up to floor 51 uh two of the three playable character classes are available right now but the core concept is you know you just fighting your way to the top of this dungeon for question mark reasons just some weird tentacle heart thing up there uh you get to choose your path through a randomly generated dungeon with enemy encounters, treasures, shops, as well as just weird random shit that can happen. Uh, vampires can show up and invite you into their cults. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've seen so much fun stuff that gives you decisions to make. So it has that roguelike quality. Uh, it also combined with the fact that as you play the game, win or lose, you'll be unlocking things you have access to later. Uh, the core gameplay is a card game where, uh, you know, you draw your cards, you play your cards, you have attack, defense, and special abilities, and, you know, all the stuff that we've come to expect. 
and you can actually see what your enemies are going to do because they're not playing cards. Like it's an actual, again, best way I can describe it is like darkest dungeon. Like it's a, it's, it's still like a turn-based a, RPG. Comic, yeah. It's, it's a strat, it's a strategy RPG. Just instead of skills, you have randomly assigned hand of cards uh, available, but you can see what your enemies are going to do and you can plan out your strategy accordingly. Like if you know, okay, this enemy is going to attack me for 14 damage this turn. Yeah, maybe you can find a way with the cards in your hands to be able to block 14 damage. Uh, the interesting twist here is at the end of each turn, you throw away your hand and you draw a whole new one the next turn. So deck building is a very interesting twist in here of it's not so much, you know, being able to get to your, your, your right combo because you might not have that combo in your hand at any time. It's a lot more about card draw, being able to get things into your discard pile, back into your, your, your deck and back and forth. Also compounded by the fact that enemies can give you status effects that will put bullshit cards into your deck. So you can yep. just draw useless cards that you're stuck with for a hand. It's another great gameplay twist. And then after each fight, you can add new cards to your hand. You can upgrade cards in certain situations to make them cheaper or more powerful or have additional effects. Uh, it has that Isaac-style uh, roguelike quality of the random relics you can pick up that will drastically change gameplay based on the effects they have. And even... The two classes that are in the game right now play very differently. Uh, you have the Ironclad, which is, you know, your straight up warrior. Uh, their basic passive ability is that they can uh, heal for a certain amount of HP at the end of each battle. So you can afford to be a little more aggressive uh, where their cards are a lot of very expensive, but very hard hitting abilities. And then you have the Whisper, I believe it's called, which is like the rogue style class. Their passive ability lets them draw extra cards, and their gameplay is built around poisons and... Status effects in general. Status effects, but also having very cheap cards. So you, whereas the Ironclad, you're playing one, two cards per turn, unless you have a deck built around other abilities. Whereas with the Whisper, you're playing five, six, seven cards per turn because that's just how they work. They get card a lot of cards that don't cost anything uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, buffs and status abilities and really ways of being able to turn the tide in their favor. So I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with a third class. I'm going to assume it's be some sort of mage type thing. Who knows how that's going to work, but everything I'm seeing here is for, what is it? I think 16 bucks right now on steam, like endless hours of gameplay because no two games are going to be the same. It's got that quality that we so adore, but it just nails everything. Like, the balance looks solid. There's going to be runs where you get screwed. It's mm -hmm. just going to happen. But there's also going to be runs where you get the god deck and nothing can touch you. So it's it's really, really cool looking. So uh, it's from Mega Crit Games. I want to give them credit because they have designed a hell of a game. And, and not only the one thing that you didn't, I don't think you mentioned, is that the, your paths branch too. Like when you were choosing what level to go to, like you have a map it's like a hand-drawn parchment in which like you choose where to start and then you follow that path and that path can cross into other paths or you can keep going on the one you're on or you can deviate and go somewhere else and it's really interesting because like do i want do i want to risk going through these tougher yeah. monsters because there's a treasure chest at the end or you know do i want to go for the rest or you know get the rewards and be be more powerful so many decisions 
and and that's what I love about it, and that's what I love about roguelikes in general. And like you know, you watched a whole bunch of Northern Lion playing it, so have I. I mean, I love games like Binding of Isaac. I've bought it multiple times. I've entered the Gungeon. I've bought it multiple times. Like Slay the Spire is hitting all of those buttons, and then it hits that other additional button of just. I love deck building games. I love card games. I love the idea of like sort of. I, I don't want to say the old Texas style, like, you know, showdown with, you know, the, the sort of stuff like that, but that's what it feels like almost where you're like, you're staring down that poker hand and, and I love that sort of exhilaration. I love that feeling. And the, this game is hitting all of it. The thing I like here is in so many of these games, I enjoy building the decks more than playing the decks of <laughs> like, you know, what cool ability combos can I come up with? So I like here is you're not building a deck every game every after every match it's a deck building game uh constantly on your toes nothing is 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 nailed down like aside from the basic starting cards you get at the beginning of every game you cannot have a set strategy in mind so you have that that fun of developing your strategies and putting a deck together to make it work every single time you play and and that's the fun of roguelikes too, right? Like you have to keep making these momentary decisions and planning like what is my best course of action for this particular run. And even then all of your, your careful planning can just go to shit. And I sort of love that because it, like recently I just started, I started playing FTL again for a local gaming event. We're doing, Oh this, man, we're doing an, we're doing what's called the arcade where we have the game master who happens to be this icon of the old wizard from the original uh, legend of zelda game and he gives us a quest every week and so this week is you know get as far as you can in ftl but it like i've had runs where i've just been absolutely devastated i've had runs where i've made it all the way to the end with no problem and like that that it all it takes is one thing to throw my carefully laid plan out of balance and i love when games do that because then you have to adjust on the fly and it, it just it's engaging. It's engaging in a very different way. As many times as I've played FTL, I have maybe a 25% chance success rate of getting to the final encounter, let alone beating it. Oh, I've never beat it. I put like 20 something hours into the game and I've never beaten it. Yeah. So, but I think that's it for today. Unless Marty has anything else up his sleeve. I don't. I just, I was looking, while you guys were talking, I'm looking at these games and Faster Than Light looks like it's up my alley, but it's the card aspect that I cannot get over. I have an aversion. There's one card RPG that I enjoy and it's a pen and paper game. Uh, and I've played a lot of card games, everything from Magic on up and just not my thing, but it looks beautiful. It reminds me of a, a board game called Epic Spell Wars, which is Love amazingly yeah. fun a little bit it's not not a great yeah. analogy but like it's got that feel and i appreciate it the art is gorgeous it looks fun and it's also on mac os so i could definitely play it which bonus so with that i think we will call it an evening uh, so i want to thank everybody for joining us be sure to stop by for the lore uh, and join us every week when we talk about all sorts of fun and wonderful things. And hopefully Roger will be with us next time so he can make fun of Marty because I know everybody missed it. I certainly did. Everybody loves to make fun of Marty. Speaking of making fun of me, though, Joe, for Shadowrun, did you get my audio file of Jim's I, song? I sure did. 
and I have okay. something very special planned for this. Okay, I have something exceptionally special. So make sure you all at home stay tuned at For the Lore for our RPG podcast as well as our gaming podcast. Uh, individually, we can be found online. Uh, Roger is Zen Buddhist. Vince is Simodian. Uh, Marty is Officer Gleason, and I'm Loader ZJ. Uh, and with that, we'll see you guys soon. Let's go talking about the city factions. Well, now we're going to go to the other faction that is Water Rally. And we're talking specifically about Dead Orbit. Now, before Dead Orbit, one second. Do you have something you wish to share with the rest of us? No? Okay, then be quiet. Dead Orbit was not always a city faction. True, it's been around for a very long time. And true, it's philosophy of the traveler is dead. We need to leave Earth and get away from the enemies it brought to humanity. It's also existed for a long time. What makes Dead Orbit unique is not the nihilistic poetry. It's not the black. It's not the white face makeup that seems to be prevalent amongst their guardians. But the fact that they have gathered and scavenged Golden Age technology, some of which is rumored to be on par with what has been salvaged by Future War Cult, or even the Cryptarchs, and have built an armada, a series of ships destined to carry humanity out to the stars to fight for a new home. It's this fight for a new home that their detractors often forget. Uh, many people in the consensus, again, the political body of the city, believe the idea of leaving Earth to be so heretical as to be almost unspeakable. But Dead Orbit, who has been a member of the consensus for a very long time, keeps pushing the notion that humanity, if left only to one planet in one system, will go extinct. And they believe that the traveler's sacrifice, that is, giving us the light and giving us the tools to protect ourselves, was he, the traveler's way of saying, leave, move, go away. Now, personally... I don't really care for this philosophy, but it does have some benefits. And it's not as if Dead Orbit has been completely useless to people. During the Red War, Dead Orbit shuttles were used to ferry people to and back from the farm and also may have done some scouting runs against the Red Legion armada that was in orbit around the planet. We know that the Red Legion uh, was discovered by Dead Orbit uh, back in the Taken War. When, uh, for those who don't remember, or were not alive for that, or whatever, the Taken War was when Oryx, the king of the Taken and the ruler of the Hive, uh, arrived in orbit around Saturn. And it was there that uh, he launched an assault on Earth. The Cabal rammed the sh a ship into their dreadnought to establish a beachhead. They also sent out a signal aimed at the heart of the Cabal Empire, which later we learned was to the Red Legion, to summon them here, saying that they had found a secret to keeping Guardians in check. See, uh, without getting too in detail on the Cabal, because we've already talked about that, see season one, well, the Cabal force on Mars was a scouting force. 
following the Traveler and seeing who its defenses were. And they learned a lot from Mars and the city of Freehold. Now, Dead Orbit has ships in the area, um, and they have had uh, conflict in the reef with the Awoken. Uh, they're not necessarily welcomed by the Awoken. And they have had a significant number of ships lost to uh, the Nine, as well as the Awoken. And the Nine, was, we'll talk about the Nine later, because I don't even know where to start with the Nine. They're not a faction within the city. They have been sending emissaries, first Zur, and now a new one, encouraging us to fight and prepare for the next rages of battle. Dead Orbit is popular because it looks cool. That's pretty much it. And there's an idea of exploration there, heroic exploration against all, all odds at the expense of sacrificing everyone who can't get in one of their ships and go. Uh, it is an interesting path. I'm not sure it's one we should follow. However, I do think it's worth a second look, at least in the regard of one thing, and that is their technology. You know, after scavenging so much, they actually created a foundry and dead orbit weapons, uh, which modify Amalon designs and also go above and beyond Amalon technology uh, is something that is very popular among Guardians. It's not just their shaders and their uh, cloaks and their helmets and their marks and their wards. It's also the fact that they have an idea of saving humanity and while not popular, it's not a bad one. Now, next week, we're going to talk about uh, another faction that is not currently in the consensus before we follow up with the last major faction, Future War Cult. Until next time, I expect draft outlines of your paper on the consensus on my desk tomorrow. Oh, by the way, if I haven't told you, tomorrow I want, to dra I want you to start drafting up for a paper. Uh, it's due tomorrow. Good luck. Shouldn't be that hard. Bullet points are acceptable. Questions and comments, you can reach me at Officer Gleason or my Dean at Zen Buddhist. Until next time, Guardians, keep your eyes sharp and your bayonets sharper. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.